Welcome, folks. You are listening to Go Home Heat. I am KP, and we have a returning guest, one Christian Macon. Christian, what's going on, brother? What's up, man? How are you? Oh, I'm real good. I'm real good. Uh, we're going to talk. Christian has been willing to share his Nitro moment, as that is a segment I've been enjoying doing with different people over the last few weeks. Christian is also, I consider Christian, and I think Christian considers Christian a wrestling historian. So I'm going to ask him to put what Roman and the bloodline are doing in a historical place where it compares in the uh, history of the biz. And we're going to talk a little bit about, I was a little overwhelmed the other night when I saw how much talent is on raw, but first I want to start with SmackDown and we'll do that after this. Welcome to go home heat, a wrestling podcast here at go home heat. Our contributors focus on the stories and character arcs of the live action drama art form. An art form dating back to Zeus, featuring Lincoln and a bear and peeking with Robocop and Sting. In the words of Xavier Woods, the last form of theater in the round. And now, go home heat. All right, Christian. Yes. Did you get to watch last night? Uh, I watched some of it, yes. Did you see the, the, the only thing that really matters is the, is the Usos part? Yes. Okay, that's what, that's what we're worried about. Um <laughs> The whole show, the under, you know, as we know, SmackDown, the the undercurrent of every show is something that has to do with the bloodline. This one, it starts, it bookends with Jay and Paul, and then it ends, you know, as Jay is asked to come up with the decision. The bribery start coming his way. We're going to get you a championship match. You're going to be, the, you are the heir apparent. It was never going to be Jimmy. All of this stuff. Midway through the show, Jay points out that if he does join the bloodline, Paul won't be in it. Or if he chooses the bloodline over his brother, Paul won't be in it. Then we go to the match. It is it is a good match. Jimmy doesn't have bad matches. I mean, Jay doesn't have bad matches. Neither does Jimmy, for that matter. None of them do. And Pretty Deadly, who has gotten this really incredible run all of a sudden on the main roster, they, they decide to help... Uh, theory as they have done in the past out comes jimmy out comes solo when jimmy tries to kick solo we wind up with the of course super kick jay and now we have all kinds of turmoil as jimmy has now cost realistically it's solo's fault but whatever right so what did you think about all of that uh i mean <laughs> the the story that they're unfolding is great. And I was concerned after WrestleMania, what was going to happen with the storyline, but I think it's awesome. And I, I think there's so much more they can do with it too, which is great with the brothers feuding and, you know, <clears throat> with solo being around. And I mean, it's, it's an awesome, awesome time for, for wrestling when it comes to this, because I, I think the way that they're putting Jimmy and Jay kind of against each other and Roman's kind of the puppet master still is great for, for wrestling television. Now you you see Jay picking Roman. Yeah, I do. Next, I do. Next week. Yep. Okay. Okay. That that poses the great question, which is because you're familiar with them, you're friends with these guys. Sure, sure. Uh, you grew up with them. Were you at all shocked as Jimmy grabs the mic the other day and is so good at staying on an even level with Joe and Awaya Roman in the ring? 
I mean, <clears throat> no, and I'll tell you why. It's partly because I, I've watched the Twins wrestle since they were like seven. And and really it was, I mean, Junior, their dad, was around all the time helping them wrestle and things like that. And Joe never kind of wanted to do that, uh, Roman Reigns. He never wanted to do that. And so I think when it comes to athletic ability, I think they're both on – I think they're all on the same wavelength. But I think that – I do think the sleeper of all of them is Solo. He is, he literally is Umaga reincarnated. And I, and I know how high Vince was on Umaga when he was in the, in the WWE. And I think it's the same thing. I think he's the sleeper and I think he's the next heir apparent for that bloodline group. The whole crew is charismatic. Absolutely. Solo, it's a little bit more hidden because of the role he's in where they don't sure. let him have a mic or whatever. For a wrestling scenario, they're perfect in, in, in the lineage sure. and how to some degree the lineage has been held down. And then here we have the lineage pushing to the forefront and the good looking guys. They're, they're, they're great athletes, the whole lot of them. And great entrances. I mean, they all have great entrances. They all have great ring gear. It relates to people, you know? So yeah, yeah. just everything they're doing right now is it's, it's like they transformed themselves. You know, Roman did it. The twin, the Usos did it. They transformed themselves kind of later in their career. And it's just like, what what junior did when he became rikishi i mean that was kind of like that was it that was going to be his swan song you know he'd been a head shrinker and he was the uh stay true fatu or something where he was like you know no say no to drugs guy in the 90s he was the sultan you know and this was kind of his swan song and he literally took that character and just changed his whole image and just ran with it and it's like that's exactly what they're doing right now it's like really just time is just just going over again and you're you're watching as they're doing it like their dad did it is in conversation is jimmy a funny guy yes they're all hilarious absolutely hilarious jimmy seems easy to talk to yes they all are uh right, you know right. it's it's so, it's so funny like jimmy jay i mean josh john they, they just yeah they've been easy to talk to you since we were kids and and it's like you know if I hadn't seen one of them in a while and I run into them at the grocery store when they're here or something like that, it's just like talking to them when we were 10 years old, you know, it's uh but yes, talk about hilarious. I love like scrolling through Instagram and I'll see where the WWE did something where like, they're asking them like, Hey, can you tell us about the Anawahi lineage or what? And they're cracking jokes and making fun of their cousins. And so it's, it's really is funny. Exactly. Exactly. So, I kind of am looking because we had the the main event Uso era of all this, right? Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to something similar with Jimmy here. Yeah, absolutely. Outside <clears throat> of the bubble of the bloodline, but facing them and them being the undercurrent of every solo match and him having sure. obstacles put in front of him that end with some kind of match against Jay and then probably Roman, right? And I, I can't yeah. like I, I would love it if we get Jimmy versus if we got Jimmy versus Roman at SummerSlam. I think it's an it's inevitable that it, it, the way the storyline's going. I think that's what I, I think I hope that's what they're going towards at SummerSlam when you know because you've already got Cody Rhodes kind of in some stuff and you've got you know Finn Balor kind of in some stuff. Damian like so you know some of the, your major players are all in it. I think that's what they're going for. Um, I do. I, I would be scared. I, you know, eventually a, a great WrestleMania match would be Jimmy versus Jay. I mean, it'd be an unbelievable match, you know, but at the same point, I, it's like when they split the Dudleys, you know, it hurt the Dudleys for a while until they were able to come back and, and be, be a, you know, a tag team again. And I don't want to see that because 
I mean, they're the hottest tag team in the world right now and, and have been for a while now. And, and it's not just because of the bloodline. It's just because of their overall kind of, you know, aura of what they do. And I think that I, I hope they don't split them because I enjoy it. Would it be good for the business? Absolutely. It would be good to have them split and wrestle each other at, at like a WrestleMania or a Survivor Series or something like that. Winner getting maybe a shot at Roman Reigns because they can only keep that title on Roman so much, so much more. You know, he's already shattered all these records of all these legends. And I think, and now they're introducing that other new belt. You know, I, I think they can only keep it on him so much longer before they're going to have to make a, make a move. Right now, the, the bloodline thing is kind of polarizing because you have the handful of people that are like, oh my God, how much longer are we going to do this? And then you have sure. these other people like myself and, and it seems like you who are like, I, I just want to, I want this to keep going. Wrestling, wrestling purists. We we are kids of the '80s and '90s where storyline right. was key in wrestling, and then you had the 2000s where it wasn't about the storyline; it was just about the next big pop, you know. And and, and right. those those people are, I definitely are, you know. God, let's just get this over with. Whereas I, you and I, we wanted to keep going. We want to see where's it going to go. What's the next turn? I mean, what's the next twist with it? So yeah. Well, okay. Well, what, well, now that we have Seth. We have a next big pop. I see Seth defending the title 25 times, eight weeks, and <laughs> yeah. and then losing the belt. And that and that's okay because that's kind of the purpose of that belt. And Seth's done this thing a couple of different times where he's tried to bring WWE back into wrestling. Sure. Like, like the ROH style of wrestling. And it's kind of neat sure. when you have kind of these ROH brothers in Sammy and Kevin and Seth who right. – are able to give you that. Mm-hmm. Okay, agreed. Before we get there, where does this fit to you in the history of pro wrestling? So, I would are we grouping the the whole storyline of the bloodline from day one, or are we talking just recently with the, kind of the splitting of the bloodline? I, I'm I'm talking about the whole thing because to me it start you know it starts, but then quickly we get to Jay. So there's always been the sure. undercurrent of sure. at some point this has to break up. Absolutely. So I would say my favorite storyline of all time in pro wrestling is the Mega Powers, Macho and Hogan. Literally, they ran a storyline for an entire year to get the main event at WrestleMania. I think it's the greatest storyline ever done. I would say the bloodline is second. Um, and that, and that's I think it's more than a Stone Cold and a Rock feud or a Bret Hart and a Shawn Michaels feud. I, I think because it is so so real you know, that you can really get sucked into it. And they've done a great job evolving the storyline because it's been going on for a while. And they've done a great job evolving that storyline and helping to evolve those characters and those guys and extend their careers, you know, several more years. They're going to be able to use this bloodline as as a, a tool to continue to help them get paid for years after they're done with wrestling. So I, I would say it's it's a number two for me. To me, it just hasn't – there hasn't been – anything that's kept me interested this long that's what i was just about to say i have not i have not had a storyline in years keep me this interested you know i don't think from 2010 to 2020 i i you know i there was a story that just captivated me like man i really want to watch this i really want to see this you know and i think that that I think that that's part of the influence of hunter and sean and road dog and those guys that they they kind of helped get this going because this is a very a very attitude era storyline the way it's playing out and i think that you can definitely feel their their fingerprints or see their fingerprints on it 
You know, the NWO is in there too. And I don't know where I'd put that. Yeah, right I'd have now. to definitely throw that in there for sure. Here's what's throwing off the NWO for me. I'm watching the version of Nitro that you went to. Yeah. And as glorious as the beginning of NWO was, having 12, 15, 23 people in the white and then having NWO Japan and then having your Wolfpack. And right. it, eventually the end, the beginning was such an explosion, but the end was a bit of a sputter. Sure. You know, whereas sure. with The Rock and Stone Cold, I think you can run Stone Cold's whole run, as even though it's fairly short when you think about it and, and all of it. You can sure. include the Vince thing with The Rock, Stone Cold match, Stone Cold sure. loses, hands the torch to The Rock and leaves, all that. And to me, that's all still kind of glory, even though there was – the cow, you know, Kurt Angle in the cowboy hat and all that in the midst of all that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we start talking about funny storylines. You got to get that one in there. <laughs> right. I have pictures somewhere of Angle at a house show with the uh, the wrestling gear on his head, but with a wig under it. Oh, it's priceless. 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 Right? I've, I've watched that on the network a bunch of times. Hilarious. Right. Absolutely hilarious. So transitioning to Seth <laughs> while, we're, while we're here real quick. Okay. I'm watching Raw. And I'm thinking, my Lord, what an embarrassment of riches this show has. Yeah. We have, you know, as far as sports entertainers goes and, you know, ROH guys goes, Seth, Sammy, Kevin Owens, they're as good as anybody that's done it in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. You throw Cody in the mix on that, who's at the height of his power right now. You know, when he was in AEW, he was fantastic. But then it was also like the multiverse where Cody was different from the rest of the show. And Yeah, he just didn't fit in. After he got done with his stuff against uh, Dustin, it, it, it kind of, to me, I, I'm a big Cody Rhodes guy, as you know. and But yeah. it kind of lost it for me a little bit after his fight with Dustin because it was like, kind of, where do you go now? Because, like, you're right, there wasn't anybody that, I felt really gelled with him or somebody that could really do a great storyline with him. He needed to come back to WWE. Like that was the storyline for him. Right. Very much. Well, especially once he, I don't know why he did it, but once he decided I'm no longer, I'm, I'm never going to be world champ. There was no story anymore. The stuff he did with Brody, the dog collar match and all that. That's sure. fan, that was fantastic. It, it did. He wasn't a fit there, and, and all of us from time to time need somebody capable of saying no. Yep. And he has that here where he's just put in this spot to where he can swing for the fences for 10 to 15 minutes every show, and he can have great matches whenever he does have a match, and it's fantastic. But then you yeah. look – I don't love Rousey as a sports entertainer. With them having the tag team belts on it, I, I, can't, I don't have any problem with that. Who would beat him up in yep. real life? Nobody. <laughs> and, and when Rousey says off screen, she says, hey, they've screwed this whole division up with right. his tag. I, you know, who are we going to fight? And then she comes and does it on screen. And we realize that what she said backstage actually mattered because, you know, that's what ran Sasha off. Right. At the core yeah. of it. Right. And they decided, hey, you know, maybe we're not going to make that mistake again. And then they have. The NXT women's tag team belts are looks like that's going to be merged, right? And right. I don't have a problem yeah. with that because, okay, a, a bigger picture, it looks as if you know we had multiple stars go down into NXT and wrestle recently. Yeah. We were going to have Rousey and Baszler go down there. We had Braun Breaker challenge Seth, so the world championship yep. may get defended down there. 
Nick Khan Derek, comes. Aaron Corbin was down there recently. Ali. And then <clears throat> we had this thing where Nick Khan says, hey, I believe it can be a, a third brand. I don't think he sure. believes that. But what I do think he believes is I need to get the marketability of my third show up. Yeah, I think he's got to, especially with with Tony Khan pushing kind of the Ring of Honor brand with AEW and how that supposedly going to become its own entity again and start its own tour base and all that. That's what NXT was around for, was to compete with the Ring of Honors, that that indie style of wrestling with your Garganos and Champas and things like that. And I think that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to put a lot more emphasis on that NXT brand and send some of their quote unquote bigger names that maybe have fallen off, you know, in, on the main roster, send them down there a little bit. I will say one thing that hurt NXT though, a little off topic, but when they did the draft last and Apollo Crews got drafted to uh, Raw or SmackDown, whichever one he got drafted to, he hops up wearing an NXT jacket and he's like, I'm back, I'm back, I made it, I'm gone. And it's like that bashed the brand right there. It's like, dude, you should, you, you need to be happy. You're even still under a contract. You know, and then NXT pushed you so much, and then you're gonna say, you know, oh, I'm I'm back, I'm back, and it kind of lowers that that brand a little bit. At least I thought it did. Right. Well, you know, I think he said somewhere that he was not told that he was going to really? get drafted. So that could have been a legitimate reaction. reaction. But by the same token, you got to be a little more clever than that. Right, and and that's right. you know because again, not only that, but you're sitting there with people who don't get moved up, right, right, right. and so what are you what are you saying to them? And you got a guy like Mello, come on, yeah, that guy, that guy is a great, and uh, you know Mello being on SmackDown last night, and yeah, and pushing Corbin again, we're 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 pushing that brand. I think Nick realizes TV contracts have limitations, and he needs to get that brand up to where we're over the 500, 600, 700,000 mark on viewerships and uh, YouTube clips and all those things so that he can charge more for the next run. And mm -hmm. it's interesting to me because it feels like he realizes Triple H was right, but he doesn't, um, he doesn't have to say it. <laughs> yeah. He can go say something else. Because <laughs> yeah. Hunter was trying to do this with Adam Cole a long time ago, right? Yep. Okay. So yep. going back to, to Raw, Judgment Day is this loaded faction. Yep. Imperium is a loaded faction. Do you Yeah, I, I love I love Imperium. Absolutely love love that what they're doing with them. Right. And as you have Gunther circling Kevin Owens and Sammy, he's going to send his men after them. Mm -hmm. it's going to be fantastic. Sammy and it looks like Sammy and KO are going to be working a lot as we're having on the other show, a uh, 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 gauntlet match in order to figure mm -hmm. out who's going to wrestle Kevin Owens and Sammy. And I'm all for those guys working as much as they can work on both shows. Right. I, absolutely. I, right. Now, and then, you know, what was supposed to be a throwaway segment? This is how loaded this show is. Miz is one of the great sports entertainers. Absolutely. One of the most underrated sports entertainers of all time. Correct. And it's okay. We're going to throw away segment here. I don't know what we're going to do with Cody because we're trying to figure out with, with Brock what we're going to do there. We'll send Cody out on a Miz segment and we'll throw Dom out there and see what happens. When it was over, after Dom slapped Cody in the mouth and hid behind Rhea, I can't wait to see those two fight each other on. Absolutely. Right? And Dom yep. is this Dom, uh, to me, Rhea Ripley is one of the great things on wrestling television right now 100 percent. 
right? 100%. I was a, I was a big, and I still am a big Charlotte Flair fan. I, I enjoy Charlotte's work. The more I have watched Rhea Ripley evolve, it's like, wow. It's like Charlotte and Trish Stratish and Sherry Martell all rolled up into one person. And you China. Know, with, with some Lu- and China and Luna Vachon. It's like she took all the greats and just molded into this one big character. I mean, I think she could compete with 90% of the men on the roster and have fantastic matches like China did. I agree. I and okay, when when she beat everybody was you know, not everybody. Some people were upset and they, they were mad about the little squash match she had over right. uh, at at Crown Jewel. Mm-hmm. Okay, when Dom jumped into her arms and she's carrying him around like her two year old <laughs> in the grocery store, I could. Did you pop? Absolutely. Because and I'll tell you why. And again, you talk about being a wrestling historian because I believe wrestling is just like history. It always repeats itself. You could almost find the exact same clip of China and Eddie Guerrero. Exactly. And and that's for me. It's like because that's what I think they're doing with Dom is I think they're literally evolving him into Eddie Guerrero. And is is he going to have the same charisma as Eddie? I I don't know. I don't think so. But he. He he's got the look, and they've got they've got an embedded storyline for Dom. As soon as as soon as they're done with with this, they've got a storyline with him being being Eddie's kid. You know, they never like they never like debunk that on the actual show. So they've got a built-in storyline. Like Dom could run another fifteen years with the company as long as he stays healthy. And I think this thing with Rhea is just fantastic. It's hilarious, but it's also at the same point you want to watch her kind of protect him, like China did Eddie, right. Right. And and also I can't wait to see her get into more challenging matches in her own division. But I I'm with you too. I wouldn't have I told somebody the other day, so, somebody said to me, um, uh, well, some people online wonder why uh a woman needs to be opposed to men to look strong. And I said, Hey, I get all that, but I'm going to tell you, not only do I get that, I also in my deepest like in the back of my mind, I think I would have no problem with her winning the men's money in the bank match and un- unseating Roman. <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, you think about it. You look back at when when China wrestled Jericho for the Intercontinental Title. I mean, like right. that place went nuts when she got it, you know. And it wasn't so far fetched to think she couldn't do it, you know. And I think I think Rhea's uh, oh, wrestling ability is far better than China's was in the ring. Well, that's and. You know, it's Keep just going. it's impressive. To, it's impressive to watch her work. You know, China was a thing that we saw in the '90s, and we were like, "Oh my gosh, look at this!" And we watched China evolve. You know, from just the bodybuilder, you know, kind of badass bodyguard to a sex symbol, intercontinental champion. And you know, you you watch Rhea from NXT. You know, what was she NXT Australia or UK, whatever it was? Yeah. You watched UK. her. Yeah, you watched her like evolve into this person, and you've watched her change and her wrestling ability, they, they were smart how they waited and then they didn't put that title on her too soon because they, they wanted to, I thought. And then it's like, okay, good. You backed off. Like that's smart. Let her continue to evolve. And now putting her in this storyline, it's like China being in DX, except right. I think she's the most popular character in the group. Oh, I really easily, do. Easily the most popular character in judgment day. And I love the judgment day. I love the Seth is going to wind up wrestling all those guys and it's going to old school, right? Sure. You, you fight everybody in the faction. Eventually, you get to the boss who's going to be Finn, and that's going to be fantastic. 
But oh, know, that would be an unbelievable match. I just hope they. So I think the demon is is one of my top ten favorite wrestling characters of all time. Right. I'm, I I was eight up with it, and I love how they don't use it all the time, and it's a special thing. I hate how it came out at WrestleMania, just with Finn getting hurt and everything like that. It kind of took away out of it. But I think doing a, a Seth Rollins versus the Demon, you know, for the title that you know Finn never lost the title. Da 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 da. da. You, there's a whole built-in storyline there, and I hope they bring that Demon out to go up against Seth Rollins because I think it could be just and with Seth's personality, I could see Seth doing something to like mimic the Demon to like kind of make fun of him, but at the same time, it'd probably be something cool as hell. Right, right, because Seth hits home runs right now. He is oh, completely he in his is, bag of tricks. He, to me, I'm telling you right now, so I used to always think that Shawn Michaels was the workhorse of WWE. He, I, it, or WWF then. I thought Shawn Michaels really helped transition. That dude wrestled at house shows. He wrestled everywhere. I mean, every house show I can remember going to as a kid, Shawn Michaels wrestled it. And that's what Rollins does. Every house show I've been to, probably since Rollins signed with WWE, He's, he's wrestled. His match when they did the last little live show here against against Cody was freaking amazing, you know. And and I think that they could. He is he is the hardest worker. He's the Dolph Ziggler of this era. Dolph Ziggler I thought was one of the hardest working guys in sports entertainment, and I think Seth Rollins is that too. And you can put him up against anybody, and I think he'd have a fantastic match. Absolutely. I was actually when we were talking about Ripley, I was thinking how great they could wrestle each other. Absolutely. It would be, it would be unbelievable. My, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time is, is Mr. Perfect. I right. just, the way he wrestled when I was a kid, the perfect plex was my finisher. Like I, I love <laughs> perfect. And uh, I can't tell you how many times my brother got put in the perfect plex, but I, I think that they used to always say that he could wrestle a mop and have a good match. Yeah. And I think that's the same thing with Rollins. I think Rollins could literally, you could put a stick figure in there and Rollins could have a, a, a popping match with. Him. Or like when, when Coda or Kenny wrestled that blow up doll. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and people are popping for it left and right. I, I think Rollins could do the same thing. All right. So let's, this has been great, but let's, let's, let's pivot into your nitro moment. In a time before Peacock, in a period after closed circuit television, a billionaire named Ted purchased a wrestling company on a whim. He let his frenemy, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, know that he was in the wrestling business. He would embolden an oddly attractive wrestling commentator, producer, and booker named Eric Bischoff with a blank checkbook. Bischoff would take aim at the WWF by going opposite their flagship programming Monday Night Raw with his new Monday Night Nitro. He would bolster his roster with aging talent, and he would take cruiserweights, tag teams, and uh, Nitro Girls and give us programming we had never observed before on primetime television. A Camelot for pro wrestlers where all had creative control, allegedly, and this show would sail to number one for 83 weeks. At 1.68, even 10 million people would watch some form of wrestling on Monday nights. Eventually, this would all come crashing down as non-wrestling minds, and one evil Vince Russo would infiltrate WCW programming before the demise of WCW a generation would be changed by the battles the big boys would wage on Monday nights from 7 to 9 and then later 7 to 10. 
These are our Nitro stories. We saw the same Nitro, which I think this might be a kind of a neat comparison contrast, but you were 13, am I right? Yes, I was 13. Okay, I was in my 20s, so I'm I'm an old guy, but I think we <laughs> saw two completely different shows in a way because of our ages. Tell me, sure. where, where roundabout were you seated at the Pensacola Nitro that night? So I was probably, so I was, if if the ring is positioned where it was when they had the last live show, I'm about 30 rows, 25 rows up towards the top dead center. So I had a really good view. I, I was, I could see them coming down the ramp perfect. Uh, so I'm basically across the ring, south end of the ring, I guess. Okay, so, but, all right, lower level? Uh, actually, no, I was upper level. I was upper level. I was a poor kid. I was upper level. Okay. I, w- I was, uh, I think I was in the a lower level, but okay. So you're there and I don't think that hurts your view at all because you get to see the grand spectacle of it all. Absolutely. Being Absolutely. There. And it how, was it, who took you? So it was actually my baseball coach. He was a big wrestling fan. He was like 25, 26. He, he took me and one other friend of ours that we're that a friend of mine that was big into wrestling that played on our team. And he took us to go see it. What a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It was great. He took us. I remember, I'll never forget. He came, picked us up and we went and, and got there and it was, yeah, it was awesome. It, crazy. I, I think the most vivid memory of mine was they weren't doing a three hour show then. And I remember Mean Gene Okerlund announcing that we got a special tonight or something. This is going to be a three-hour show. And I was like, oh, my God. And the coach looked at me and my buddy. He's like, y'all got to go call your parents and let them know we can't leave. So we run to the payphone back by the concession stand. And we're calling our parents. Hey, it's a three-hour. Can we stay? Can we stay? Okay, great. Thanks. And ran back. Hey, they said we could stay. And so that's probably one of my most vivid memories of that. And the – I made, you know, back in the day we made signs. So like I made a, you know, some kind of Hulk Hogan fears, you know, sting or something sign. And so, yeah, no, absolutely. Very, very vividly could remember it. Okay. Now being 13, you're, you're a kid of the yellow and red Hogan. Yes. And he's gone heel. And how has yes. that affected you? Uh, so Hulk Hogan is by far one of my, if not my favorite wrestler of all time, just because of his charisma. I still get goosebumps watching him slam Andre. But I would say when he first transitioned over to the heel, I had a Hulk Hogan autograph picture on my wall at home, and I literally went and took it and ripped it up, like ripped it off and threw it away. Oh my and God. I was so upset that he had turned on, you know, turned on everybody. And I think that, uh, you know, it, it upset me because it was like, and now I wanted everybody to go after him. You know, I wanted everybody to go and try to try to get Hogan, you know, and it, it was still amazing to kind of see the spectacle of the NWO. But at the same point, I was very much Hulk Hogan, red and yellow. OK, tell me this. So if you if you can remember now, not everything's uh, that's the other thing I think I want to emphasize about these style of segments is I don't want blow by blow what happened on the show. Sure. You know sure. what I mean? If I wanted to do that, I'd be interview. I'd be calling people trying to find Sting and interview him. I don't think that's important. <laughs> what I think is important is what it did to the individual observer, like me, like you, like uh, my buddy Jamil, who was at the very last Nitro, right? And how how it affected him that wrestling as he knew it was ending and being taken over by the evil empire. Sure. You know what I mean? So sure. 
how did it affect you when you see Hogan losing his mind because the Ultimate Warrior has become, you know, kind of vengeance? If you can remember that, he spray paints uh, One Warrior Nation on the wall, OWN, and Hogan hits the ring and he is screaming his head off. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I was never a big warrior guy. Right, um, right. I, I just, you know, I was Team Hogan. Right. My brother was Team Warrior. Okay. Um, and so I can remember even being at 13, like, thinking, like, oh, man, is this going to be like WrestleMania again? Are they going to, you know, how is this going to go? And, you know, it's so weird now that I look back on it. It's, it, you know, it's a different feeling. But I think as a kid then it kind of brought back nostalgia you know, of, of that WWF golden era a little bit. Um, and for me, which is my, that's my favorite era. of wrestling. And I didn't think about it till you were talking about it, but the first time around, there wasn't a bad guy. Yeah. Right. You were team Hogan, right. you were team warrior, but they were both faces. Yes. Warrior, an incredibly weird face, but a face all the same. <laughs> right. And right. when this time around, you literally had line drawn in sand where Warrior, in this episode, he's Batman, right? He disappears, right. he attacks in the shadows, the disciple winds up unconscious, we bring down a steel cage, uh, Hogan's in the middle of it, the giant is there, and if you can beat my giant, when the smoke comes out, do you remember this part, the smoke coming out and giant being laid out unconscious on the ground? And Do you remember all that? Yeah, you know, and it was very... Did you pop for it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um because it's that that you know it's like sting when sting became crow sting you know and all the disappearances and the you know coming down out of the rafters and stuff it's all that mystery and and that's what warrior was i think warrior was a lot of that one one minute you know two minute quick segment mysterious you know kind of thing and and i think that's yeah so as a kid absolutely i you know i popped for it for sure well that's the thing <laughs> warrior was the first wrestler for me and i should have come to it i think it's not warrior's fault it's just the way i was age-wise when he comes on the scene i'm getting old enough to realize the punches aren't real sure so he's the first wrestler for me that the lead up to was not as was grander than the match yeah i i mean i i hate to say this but i i never saw a warrior match that i was like dang that was awesome i want to watch it again i've watched hogan's matches thousands of times i, I don't think i've ever re-watched a warrior match unless it was like hogan involved in it right you know i i and i and that's just again i was team hogan so i was kind of like anti that even when you know I mean, even being Team Hogan, as I got older, hell, I transitioned. I was wearing NWO shirts and Hollywood Hogan shirts, and it's like he drew drew you right back in, you know. Oh, okay, were you a Red Wolfpack guy? One hundred percent Red Wolfpack guy. So when they're coming still out, still have still have an NWO Wolfpack sign in my office. Nice. So when they're coming out trying to talk DDP into joining the club this time, or you know, first time around, it was with the NWO black and white. This time right. around, it, it's the the red and black. Were you come on DDP join up on the club? Were you? I mean, not happy so much about the jackknife that eventually winds up landing on DDP. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I wasn't so I, I I really liked Diamond Dallas Page. I thought he was great. And but as a kid, you know, I I think that I was okay with it. I liked I liked who the Wolfpack had, and I liked how 
they kind of structured everything. I think Sting's red and black face paint is the best face paint he had the whole time he painted his face. Yeah, I was like, I was okay with that. Definitely okay with that. You have the nitro girls. You have Absolutely. the fireworks. You have yep. the explosions. It's like a Kiss concert, right? Except with yep. uh, athleticism in the middle. And the way I have a, a theory about nitros, and it's that the live shows intoxicated Bischoff to the point where he was booking for live shows, which is why you got the chaos at the end of every episode, why no matches wound up uh, having legit clean finishes. Like you have a show here, typical Nitro, even though they had a segment post the main event, you have a talk about what's going to be the main event. Piper talking about what's going to be the main event and how we're going to go to war games. And it's every man for himself. You have a main event and it winds up being, not a finish in Nash jumps in and all that. But as a fan, especially a 13 year old, I can't imagine that you didn't go crazy for all of the chaos. Absolutely. You know, I, I will say this. So I, that was actually my second WW, WCW event I ever saw live. The first one was I was probably like maybe 10 at Universal Studios in Florida when they would do the tapings. Oh my goodness! Uh, was that was that uh, Red and Yellow Hogan, or was he not there yet? So he wasn't there yet. Okay, he was okay. still still WWE or WWF. And, Shoot, and he was Thunder I, in Paradise, brother. Yeah, he's Thunder Paradise, <laughs> and you know. And I, so I saw. I I remember seeing like like Paul Orndorff wrestle Mister Wonderful. Yeah, like I remember watching. So Johnny B. Bad uh, is his, uh, a childhood friend of my father in law's. I actually just talked to Mark Mara the other day on the phone. Uh, with my father-in-law. He, and, was, on, he uh, was on Coach Tripp's show. Yes, that's my father-in-law. Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, no so, kidding. Mark, yeah, so so Mayors and and my father-in-law grew up together in New York. And we're friends and still great friends. He just sent me two new autographs. Oh. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, I, I remember watching him wrestle. And it's at this WCW live event, you know, and it's cool. It's But it's weird because, like, they're doing, like, three tapings a day. You know, so like we ran in for like the first hour and we got to watch that. And it's like, hey, thanks for coming. Boom, next next group of people ran in. Boom, let's put it in. So in my mind, that's what I was thinking I was going to see again. And then you get there and there's fireworks blowing up everywhere. Nitro girls are dancing. The speakers are blowing out as loud as they can go. There's merchandise everywhere for sale. And it's like the pageantry of it all. You could have had two monkeys fight a football and I would have popped <laughs> for it because it just – it was amazing because the atmosphere just sucked you in. And, and as a 13-year-old, I can remember feeling like almost like butterflies in my stomach because I was so excited for it and to be a part of it. And I can remember them, like, I guess it was me and Gene was like, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to go live. I need everybody to stand up and get crazy. Like, it was, it was amazing, you know, an unbelievable feeling. And it, to me, I think when I saw that original WCW at Universal Studios, that was kind of still like territory wrestling. You know, that was still your, your your backwoods bar type wrestling. And then this transition now into the mainstream wrestling. And an unbelievable event. And so glad I was able to attend it. And so glad I've been able to attend all these other events since then. It is like, it was like a comic book come to life. 100%. 100%. 100%. I, I couldn't have described it any better. I mean... So I do, I do Mardi Gras and Mobile, and I, I say all the time, it's the closest I feel like a pro wrestler is when I'm on that float because we have 100,000 people at our parade. And it's amazing. You feel like this mega rock star the whole time you're there. And that's what I – when I've talked to Roman or Jimmy or Jay, 
I've talked to them about it. That's what it's like. They're like, man, it's everywhere you go. You're either getting the loudest cheers you ever had or the loudest boos you've ever had. And it's just an amazing feeling. And, and for me now being, you know, much older, it's, I still get some of that butterflies when that first music hits, you know, or when a character that I've, I've, you know, like when their music hits, you know, it's still kind of like, wow, you know, I still love this, you know, and I'm not 13 anymore. And that's the beauty of it all, right? Like when we went to that house show the other night, it wasn't just how great that house show was. Even though WWE does a great job of making a small event like that feel big, Uh it was the fact that all those memories of all those things you've seen before get you when you walk in the building. 100%. 100%. And it's like, I, you know, I listen to Busted Open a lot. I, I love Tommy Dreamer. He's, you know, a big wrestling historian. So I listen to a lot of his stuff. And it's like talking about the Sportatorium and, and these other, you know, places in the, the Meadowlands, places that maybe don't exist anymore, or don't draw crowds anymore for wrestling. It's amazing to listen to them like, hey, I can remember when I walked in there as a kid. And I remember walking in that building as a wrestler. And then, and it's like, you can, when I still walk into that Pensacola Civic Center, it's like I can, I can still feel it or still see those past events that I have been at. And it's a great, it's a great feeling. I mean, anytime Hogan's Real American Music hits, I, I mean, I can't help it. Like, you, you, you got to listen. You got to pop. I get goosebumps. I mean, Shawn Michaels, when Sexy Boy plays, it's a, it reminds me of my childhood, you know, or Bret right. Hart's music. It just, it's stuff like that. And you can remember seeing those guys and, and and remembering what they did for you know to help in your childhood right absolutely so great hey chris thank you so much for coming on appreciate it bro. absolutely absolutely loved it anytime man you know me i love to talk wrestling awesome folks check out our friends at the game project the g-i-n-n project.com check us out on the daily smart where you can find all things pro wrestling we are on spotify bullhorn your iphones I stated the Daily Smart. We are on your iHeartRadio app. And folks, like, subscribe. Find me on the Twitter machine at GoHomeHeat1. Interact. Discuss. Go home. Thank you.